You are listening to Insights, produced by the University of New South Wales Law Society, a podcast dedicated to bring you an insight into law school, the legal profession, and legal issues. The production team would also like to show our respects and acknowledge the Bedigal people, who are the traditional custodians of the land, of elders past and present on which this podcast is made. episode here on the podcast, we have invited Michael Green, a senior counsel at Level 22 Chambers and the founder and director of Barnet Jade, a leading free online legal research platform in Australia, and Isabella Alina Carozzi, a second year UNSW commerce and law student who is a researcher and editor at Barnet Jade and a paralegal at Alina Chambers. A huge welcome and thank you to Michael Green and Isabella Alina Carozzi for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, so just to start off and get to know um, a little bit about you, uh, could you please tell us one interesting fact about yourself? That's a good question, really. What, what's yours, Isabella? What's your I would fact? say I am really into different coloured hair. And in lockdown, I've dyed my hair from pink to purple to blue only a week ago. Had to quickly cover it up with some brown for tonight. But it's something that's really fun during lockdown that I couldn't do normally in the professional landscape I normally work in. And um, following on for, from that, um, what is the most valuable lesson or skill you have learned while at school or university? Uh, well, I think I think uh, it's been a long time since I was a student, uh, an undergraduate student at UNSW. But I think there's a lot. Uh, one of the one of the best things I think I've learned about when I was at uni is just the idea of keeping an open mind and learning about new things, learning about new ideas, learning about new ways of thinking about the world, um, realizing that thinking about the the world through the lens of legal practices only one of the many ways you can start thinking about the, the world we're in. And later on, I think the most important lesson is, is understanding the fundamentals. So understanding that when we, the training that we get at university or that we had at university and and the learning that goes on after that uh, helps us uh, become more aware of the important issues, things that really matter. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and for the both of you, um, what made you want to study um, law at UNSW? Uh, well, I didn't actually want to study law. What I wanted to do was do science. As it happened, uh, I got into a combined degree. And so, <clears throat> you know, I got a two for one offer. And so I ended up doing science and law. And when I went into the uh, combined science law degree, the science component at that stage was operated by the School of Chemistry. And so what the clever uh, person that ran the, that part of the course did was he enrolled all of the science law students in chemistry into chemistry majors. It was really clever because it meant that some people thought they were, you know, they were more likely than not to keep on in the chemistry phase. Anyway, so we all we all did an intensive chemistry session and other things. And then I discovered that I could do history and philosophy of science and neuroanatomy uh, with the benefit that I had less class contact hours which meant that I could work at uni as well. So I could do uh, research and other work for, for lecturers at uni. So I actually ended up doing a, a double degree in uh, neuroanatomy and history and philosophy of science and with law. And then the weird, really weird thing happened is that for, in the first year of law, when I did taught, I then, then started to realize that I actually thought law was really cool and interesting. I was always, I always had an interest in science and uh, I always thought that um, science was going to be the thing that was where I wanted to go rather than law but 
as it happened, um, I ended up doing law and more law and still more law, and here I am. What about um, you, Isabella? Yeah, so I have always wanted to do something more on the criminology and forensic science type of side of things, but then I realised I'm really bad at science. So we, I, st- I started mock trial at high school, and I did that for quite a few years, and I had really good teachers that really motivated me to do well as well. And I really, really liked being like in the barrister's role of that and the solicitor's role of that. And so that's when I decided, mm. well, I should just do law. And then obviously falling into a double degree, I just said, okay, well, commerce will have to do. And now I do commerce and law. <laughs> so yeah, so they're really haphazard. One of the things that I've learned at university is that you really can't plan what you're going to do. And the idea of what you learn about now is not really what you're going to be practicing later on. So it's really the skills of being adaptive and being able to deal with uh, uncertain uncertainty really uh, is great. What, may, what else has made you want to specialise in the areas of IP and technology law, um, namely in privacy, cybersecurity, and information technology? I always had a, I always had an expertise in copyright and in intellectual property of various kinds, but I didn't really st- set out and saying I wanted to do that. And I don't, you know, I have a practice that that has a very wide range. So I deal with, you know. Uh, issues about subsurface soil conditions. I deal with building construction matters. I deal with intellectual property. I deal with corporations matters. I deal with a whole lot of r- range of things. And one of the things I can do at the level of where I am now is that I'm I'm lucky enough to have really talented junior counsel that have a deep expertise in particular areas. So I can I can apply the knowledge I have in other areas of the law to areas that I may never practiced in as a way of of actually giving some value add. So it's really where I am at the moment, specialization is about working in a team of talented lawyers. But what I like about IP and technology and certainly privacy and the like is, is that it challenges some of the underlying assumptions. And a lot of the things in privacy are not really law at all. They're really ethics, information ethics and those sorts of things. So they have much wider application. And so there's a lot of change and there's a lot of a chance in that area to really uh, participate in the debate about what kind of society do we want? It was really interesting to hear about um, information ethics as well. Could you tell us a bit about um, your role as senior counsel and what that entails? Uh, so senior counsel just means that you're a silk. Uh, used to be called QC, now called SC. In my current role, I'm uh, the head of chambers at Level 22 Chambers, but that but the chambers is run by a board and I'm a member of the board. I, I practice with a, a range of uh, barristers uh, at all at all levels of expertise, and uh, even though I'm silk and usually lead others, I'm also in some other matters uh, led by other silk that are more senior than me. So, so we work together in teams, uh, and we we advise people. Uh, we do everything that a barrister does, really. Uh, we just sometimes do some of the harder matters, but that's not always the case. We also do um, some of the strategy work, and we you know we work closely with solicitors, and we work closely with with other lawyers try and improve things for our clients. And what do you think you've learned um, moving from junior counsel to senior counsel yourself? It's not as if one day you, oh, well, it is It is happens that the, the uh, bar decides to make you uh, silk, but it's not a process where all of a sudden you switch from one to the other. So as you, it's like a continual process. As you get more and more skill, you keep getting stretched and you keep getting more and more challenges and you get, you're continually learning. So um, when I went to the bar, unlike many other people that uh, were, went to the bar at the same time as I did, I, I hadn't practiced as a solicitor. I'd 
had a I had a practicing certificate and I'd worked in a copyright collecting society and I'd done other things and I'd been a judge's associate, but I hadn't actually worked in a litigation section of a law firm. And so I'd say to very senior lawyers, and I'd be deferential to them, so people who'd been practicing solicitors for thirty years, forty years, whatever, you know, I'm I'm only a you know, two year person now. I'd say, well, what do you think? And they'd say to me, well, what what do I think? Because I'm the Barrett. And they said, well, usually the usually counsel tells us what to think. And and I said, well, no, actually, well, what do you think? Because you, you know, you, you're the ones that you've had years of experience. You know, <laughs> this isn't your first time. And so, what it really emphasised is the best relationships I've had with solicitors are those where there's that uh, there's that teamwork. And you you know, there are people that have greater expertise in other areas. And the best the best possible outcome for clients is where there's that close working together, you know, different points of view, different levels of experience, different uh, different ways of approaching and problem solving. And so what's been great as I've progressed to being senior counsellors, I've had more, more interaction with larger teams and I've had the chance to see some amazing people more, than, more so than when I was practising by myself. Often I would just have an opponent, a solicitor, now I have groups of people uh, larger teams that need, need that kind of thing so it's been it's been great and one of the things I've noticed is just the changing nature of um, law graduates as people go through um, you know there are same, there are some things that are the same but there are some things that are different there are them, law students are more enterprising now than they were before they're more willing to try new things they have quite a different perspective and they have a really strong uh, moral and social moral compass I think in many ways so they have a so the ethics, the idea of ethics, the idea of the concept of right and the like is really important. And and I'm not saying that lawyers don't have that. Lawyers absolutely have that. But but the the one of the refreshing things about students is that uh, lawyers perhaps have had the idea of of their role in the legal process and realise that they are a, a but a mouthpiece of the client, but they're not. They have obviously a social responsibility and they have a responsibility to the court. Yeah, I think it's really um, interesting on like the different perspectives of law, especially um, like currently in like since um, maybe my first year. Um, yeah, I've been exposed to like a lot of discussions about like like the ethics of law and such. So yeah. I think it's a really interesting how you touched up on that. So now I'm um, moving on to um, Isabella. Um, what are some things you've discovered or learned working under Michael? She's, well, she's actually working beside me. Like, generally, it's generally it's like like you see today. Although we're, well, this is about seven meters away, as you can see. So that's seven meters. Michael is someone I really look up to in terms of the type of law I want to pursue after I finish law school, and that's what made me want to work for Michael in the first place. Was that I was reaching out to people who inspired me and were in a position that I wanted to potentially be in. Um, and I just, yeah, Michael's one of those people that um, he does so many different things that you wouldn't even be able to keep track of everything he does. And um, a lot of people say that about me sometimes as well, being so young and, and doing everything I do for work and uni as well. So, yeah, I really, I look to Michael's being sort of where I want to be at, in, at his age, you know, at the time. Isabella, you're very involved with your university work, um, being an entrepreneur, establishing your own business in the past and volunteering. Um, how have these experiences shaped you and where do you see yourself in the next five or ten years? Yeah, so um, I've really been um, obsessed with working and challenging myself and doing different things and that's why I've, you know, I try and do as much as I can. For me, it's more of a challenge of how much can I do and what can I do that's different that hasn't been done before. Um, and so they're the things that really drive me. 
um, with that as well, it's, you know, as Michael was saying, the support of people in chambers as well. Um, I, I truly believe that the the type of people you have around you is what pushes you to grow and gives you more opportunities. And the support is is what you need, especially I think in this industry as well. Um, and so I, I've balanced it all by never doing anything I'm not passionate about, whether it's a job, whether it's volunteer work or anything. I think if you if you are passionate about it, you're not going to think it's an obligation or something that you have to do. I think it's just you living your life and and ticking off your goals and, and learning things on the way. I think within the next five to ten years, um, I most likely will end up being some sort of technological lawyer. <laughs> but um, in saying that, I think opportunities find you when you least expect it. So, you know, I don't know what could happen, but I really hope to be potentially also learning or or practicing overseas and and still doing things like my you know entrepreneurship and volunteering and and also you know looking into legal education more as well definitely um um for the both of you how have you seen the law affect other people in your career most fundamentally so there's all sorts of people in all sorts of conditions some people are absolutely in dire need of assistance a person's experience of law can sometimes spiral out of control so that um, they end up having a series of unfortunate events that lead that that might snowball it's the same as any kind of disaster that happens where um, everything is fail safe but the unexpected set of set of complex events occurred which means that uh, they're in a whole whole world of pain so um, the law the law fundamentally affects our lives Um, not that i was involved in any of any of this but certainly it's been written about the robo debt uh, dispute is a good example of of um of the weaponization in a way of law by making changes to legislation that permitted uh, computers to make decisions about people and then to have really flaky algorithms to do that. So robo-debt, as, as the reports in the paper have suggested, was, was really a ill-conceived idea to lower the cost of collecting from people and treating people as if they were all um, uh, guilty before and to prove their honesty. What I think... Uh, all of the episodes I've seen, I won't go into the particular details of the various things I've seen, but all the episodes I've seen really emphasise that we have to be very astute as lawyers to guard against a creep in legislation or creep in regulatory rulemaking um, that diminishes uh, the rights of the dignity of, of humans. So one of the great issues that's occurred in this period of the pan- of the pandemic that we've experienced is just the balancing that has to occur between the rights of the individual and the rights of, the, of society. For the both of you, how important do you think legal education is? Um, and do you think, do you consider legal education important for everyone, not just law students? Well, that's a really interesting question. I think, I, I, I th- well, there's a sort of spectrum of, uh, of what you call legal education, but if you're talking about civics and awareness, that's absolutely fundamental. I think there's a lot to be said for making sure that happens. Um, do we want to have a society where there's debate and active democratic debate? Yes, we do. And so how do we achieve that? Well, we need to we need to ensure that our populace is educated. Now, one of the big differences, say, in the US to in Australia is the uh, importance in the past. I don't know if this is still the case in the US of civics education. We kind of wear... Uh, well, we have a little bit of that here where you get to visit Canberra and you get to part of at some stage at school you get to be taken on a tour of Canberra and you get to see the High Court you get to see the uh, Parliament House um, 
and you get to go on a trip and sometimes go out to gold digging towns on the way or whatever else. In the event, um, those those things I think it goes some way to understand the institutions, but I think we need to have a much um, a much more intensive process of educating people about about the legal process and about legal structures and legal institutions so they can understand and participate. The question then is, what about legal education more generally? Well, uh, some parts of that are, uh, you know, the adage that ignorance of the law is no excuse. One of the challenges is, what do you do about that? Do you, do you try to make laws that are easier to understand or do you try to uh, make uh, lawyers more accessible to non-lawyers so they can help understand it? Well, how do you balance that? Well, I think there's, uh, I think when we talk about legal education, I think we're fooling ourselves. I think we're talking really about structural change um, in the way in which we engage with legal problems. Uh, so I think it's a two-headed thing. It's one is we change the engagement with uh, people who have legal problems. And sometimes they don't even know they have a legal problem. That's part of the problem. Or, or they're unable to gain access to it, so the accessibility. And then the other thing we do is we improve the process of and the efficiency and the fairness of the process uh, of how those disputes are resolved if they're a dispute or if it's liability how that liability is resolved so not everything is a dispute in that sense that there's a two parties that are fighting each other um Michael, i know you touched upon this before but what prompted you to start one jade i just wanted a better uh, a better legal research system than it was available for love or money i've used the paid services and and the, and the free service of Osley, and really I wanted something that I could actually use as my own legal research system. Uh, when I was at university, I worked on the help desk of a thing called InfoOne International, or CLERS, which used the status system. So it was basically the precursor to um, LexisNexis purchased it. Well, the precursor to LexisNexis, Butterworth's pre- pre- purchased it. Uh, and that was, that was where uh, all the legal research was. So it was an amazing time done on dial-up modems there was always a problem about this legal research wasn't able to be done correctly or quickly. And so I, we looked at better ways to do it. And that's really the process of studying carefully the problem, uh, designing the systems. And I had a really, and I still have a really great team of people that are doing development work and the like. So it's, um, we've always had great students that worked with, uh, with us. We've had great uh, technical team. Uh, uh, Bob's here today, uh, doing the dials, but he's doing great work with us in a whole lot of different projects. Isabella's doing great work in thinking about how we reach different audiences and how we actually improve the packaging of, uh, of the material we've got in uh, Jade and how we actually better uh, put ourselves forward. So, you know, one of the issues is we've, we've got this slowly moving organisation and the injection we have with really talented people that may only be passing through on their way to doing other great things is fantastic yeah um do you think jade is a direct replacement for databases databases like lexus advanced Westlaw, or is it a resource for a different market and also um relating to that um what would be your future vision for jade all right so so we are part of a legal uh publishing community lexus nexus and thompson Reuters are part of that as well they do important work osley is as well other publishers federation press and the like also so we see ourselves as just an aspect of that market um can can you replace a lot of the research you do on lexus and thompson uh with jade sure absolutely you can um most people do that now a lot of people say they don't need other systems is that a thing we encourage no of course not we we see that there's merit in 
each of those providers. Uh, but you know, that's every every practitioner has different requirements, and our view is your best research starts with Jade. It's true at law school. It's also true later on. Are we going to have the coverage of other publishers? No, we're not. But are, are you going to be able to get a practical solution to a problem if you're a legal professional? Absolutely. That's where we're going and that's where we are. How do I see Jade in five, ten years? I can't tell you that now because that that gets negotiated uh, on a, on a one-minute, five-minute, one-hour, six-month, 12-month timescale. I know where I want to go with Jade. Will we get there? I, I hope we will, but it's part of the process of who are the people going to work with us and where we're going to go and what's the journey. It's part of the excitement that we only have so many hours in the day. We only we have a pile of things we want to be able to do. Bob can tell you this, and Isabella can as well. And how do you? What do we work on next? So we've got some really exciting things about to come out of the pipeline in the next uh, few weeks and month or so. Super exciting things that are things I've been trying to do for a very long time and it's thanks to people that are with us today we've been able to let off but that's only because we've been on this journey for a long period of time and we're able to do that so quickly yeah definitely because I like from my personal experience I like I remember discovering on Jade like for example last semester because I was trying to research a case after my lecturer like sort of pointed out this case that was like an extrinsic case not on the textbook and then after I searched up the case like all the other sites didn't have it and then Jade appeared to be the only one that had it on there. So I searched up, you know, like Westlaw, um, LexisNexis, and it wasn't on any of those. And then I stumbled across Jade, which had like the whole like judgments and everything, like the whole case on there. So I thought it was really interesting yeah. and like a really great way um, to get like some, like to do some like, like a platform for like legal research. Moving on to you, Isabella, um, how did you find out about this role at Barnett Jade and how has your experience been? Yeah. So as Michael was saying, there's not really a set role I mean if it was publicized I don't know about it <laughs> um, a friend of mine just told me because um, I really wanted to get working into the legal industry as early as possible and I had constantly been told by people that I had to wait until I was in my fifth year of uni or when I graduated and that's you know five years five six years away from me so I wanted to get started you know in my second year um, so a friend of mine told me to you know the people that you were inspired by and, and you want to be like in the future um, send them an email and ask if they want a legal assistant or if, if their their work area is looking for a receptionist or something like that. So that's what I did and I was I was hoping to get no replies from the people I really wanted to work for, Michael being basically the main one. And I got a call back the next day and he had said, you know, we do have um, a receptionist role at Chambers, but I think there's a better job and something that you'd be more interested in and better suited to your skills. And so then I, I, the next week I came and I chatted with him about Jade and I was so interested because not only does it encompass my law degree, but because I major in marketing in commerce, I can see the potential like where Jade will go and why it's so like valuable to the community. So that's where it all started and I'm here nine months later <laughs> and it's great. Um, I think lastly, before we finish up, um, do you have any advice you would want to give uh, for either current or aspiring law students? I just think uh, don't be afraid to ask questions, as Isabella said. Don't be afraid to ask for opportunities. Um, and don't be afraid to put yourself forward to say, let's get, you know, see if you can make a change. There's there's a lot of, um, a lot of goodwill amongst 
more senior lawyers about helping law students uh, and about helping them along a journey that perhaps the, those more senior lawyers didn't have when they were there. So about making the world a better place. So if you can demonstrate that you're able to give back and demonstrate that you're actually committed to doing things, you'll find a really good answer for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's a crowded market, sure, but um, there's, there's a lot of space and a lot of things you can be doing. And if you choose a path that's less commonly tread, uh, trod, then you'll have a you know a good chance to just enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's some great advice. Um, so thank you so much for your time today, um, Isabel and Michael. We really enjoyed having you on this podcast. Thank you for listening to Insights by UNSW Law Society. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Yep. Um, did, did you guys have anything you wanted to want to add any further? Like.